I marvel many times in the book, like, why the fuck is he talking to Ben? <laughs> like, what is he just? <laughs> Did you have that? I realized too. Over and over and over again. I kept going, oh my God, are you really saying this to me? You know, there's we're, a camera. We're here, recording right? this. Yeah, because exactly. I, I record this. Yeah, I filmed a lot of this. Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. I'm Josh Horowitz, and today on Happy, Say I Confused, we have a returning champion. He's been a fixture on television for decades. They don't give out 16 Choice Award nominations to just anyone, folks. But I'm going to guess his latest distinction being a New York Times bestselling author for his new book, Easy Money, might be his proudest professional achievement yet. It's the one and only Ben McKenzie back on Happy, Say I Confused. Hey, Ben. Hey, Josh. How are you, dude? It's it's great to see you, man. Congratulations. Uh, and really excited to talk to you in this new context. This must feel like a, a, a particularly interesting press tour, as it were, a little different than what you're used to. It's it's different in many different ways. Um, but uh, I just want to say, look, for the Teen Choice Award, uh, you know, the people behind that production, I still want my surfboard. It's uh it's not I've too been late. Nominated six times. Like, come on. You're the Susan Lucci it, right? of Teen Choice Awards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll give That's it to me, you. baby. Maybe they'll give it to you for Easy Money, a new category at the Teen Choice Awards. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know, good work. <laughs> it's a win-win. Um, so, okay. So, just to get the, the elephant out of the room, obviously, we're in this horrible strike. We're we're talking about a totally different uh, topic here today. Um, this podcast, of course, supports the actors and the writers on strike. This is an insane situation. Now, luckily for for us, Ben, you've given us an entirely new subject matter to talk about because you went ahead and spent the last couple of years uh, becoming an investigative journalist and author. So that's convenient for me. Yeah, well, it's convenient for me in the sense that obviously I am not out here promoting any acting or uh, writing yeah. work um, and I support my guilds. But uh, but yeah, one thing I can do is talk about the book. So let's talk about it. Well, let's uh, talk to me a little bit about for friends and family in your life. Does this feel like an abrupt left turn? I mean, you're this is like in your background, in your you know, you have a, you have a degree, you have an interest in the subject matter. But when you kind of made the real plunge into this, did this catch those in your orbit? off guard or were they like yeah that that checks out yeah the general reaction was what are you doing <laughs> like sort of more confusion uh potential concern um you know obviously i needed to tell morena uh, my wife about this and we needed to have a nice conversation about you know life choices level of commitment here um you know it was the middle of the pandemic when i started so at the time showbiz you know was was sort of on ice there for a while and so i think Falling into it um, almost made sense in a way, in a strange way, because so many of us were just sitting at home, glued to our devices, watching, you know, crypto, people make mon money on stuff like crypto. Um, and so I came into it with a similar angle and then ended up on the other side saying, hey, this thing is um, potentially fraudulent. But it's one thing to sort of say that it's another thing to commit two years of your life to um, to investigating it and documenting it and, and writing a book, which obviously I did not know how to do at the time. Um, and I think, you know, that became a series of conversations with with between Morena and me. And then at some point, you know, told my parents who were very confused and uh, my brothers and, you know, basically everyone very confused, sort of like you seem very passionate about what you're doing. You seem like you might be right. And yet <laughs> there's <laughs> well, all this other marketing that's saying that you're probably not. So I sure hope 
that you know what you're talking about. Um, well, yeah, as time goes by, it seems like, um, yes, uh, history will be kind to you and this book. Um, uh, I, I remember I talked to Marina for the podcast during all of this, and I remember just mentioning what you were up to because at the time you were tweeting a lot, et cetera, and mentioning, oh, Ben seems like he's really into the this kind of crypto, like investigating what's going on. And like, you could just see her being like, yep, he is, uh, he's in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jacob and I, Jacob Silverman, my co-author, we joke, we're going to start a support club for, uh, right. for wives whose, whose partners are either into crypto and that they love it or into crypto and that they think it's a scam. It's either way. It's Both very, sides uh, are hard, hard for the spouse. It's yeah. addictive. Yeah. Yeah. It's addictive. Okay. So the book, the official title, Easy Money, uh, Cryptocurrency, Casino Capitalism, and the Golden Age of Fraud. I was telling you before, um, you know, like this book, look, I, I'm going to own up, like I, I'm an idiot when it comes to just general matters of money, finance, investments, et cetera. And I, like many, many, many people over the last few years, when I heard of Bitcoin or crypto, like my eyes kind of glazed over and it was just like too much for my small brain to handle. And this book, you really thread a, a great needle in that. Like it, it, it's, it's a, it's very entertaining. It puts you, you know, you're kind of along the ride with you in this kind of crazy adventure that almost feels like it's made to be an Adam McKay, David O. Russell movie. Um, and and I'm and and by like all accounts and reading these reviews and seeing how the financial community, the the financial journalism community has responded, um, you know your you know your shit and like you really delivered. So um, I guess talk to me about sort of like what was your approach? Like, was I the audience? Was the financial community the audience? Who who did you want to get something out of this? Right. Well, first of all, what you said there at the beginning is exactly what everyone says, which is that I'm, you know, and, and they say it from a very sort of humble place. Like, I'm just not smart enough. I don't get it. You know, it seems so complicated, um, which was very much the same place that I started out because I'm not, you know, I don't know a lot about cryptography or computer science or things like that, but I do have a degree in economics. And, and I, so I wrote the book for people like you, the 80 plus percent of the country to say, no, 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 you got it. It's okay. It's not you. <laughs> if it seems this is kind the of point. complicated. Yeah. yeah. The point is, yeah, it's the anti-FOMO book. Like the point is, right. you should feel good. You should feel good that you just trusted your instincts and uh, you didn't uh, indulge, even though it would have been totally understandable if you had. And for the other, you know, 16 to 20% of the country that did buy it, I also write this in the author's note at the beginning, you know, look, you probably statistically, you probably lost money. Um, if you made money on it, great, but you probably lost money. Most investors in cryptocurrency have lost money at this point. Um, and so I'm writing that book for you too, just yeah. to sort of tell you, look, you might've gotten scammed. Here's how it might've gone down. Regardless, if you're thinking about investing again or continuing to invest, there are some things you should know. Um, and so I really sort of approached the writing of it in a way of, okay, how can I talk to, well, my friend who encouraged me to invest. So my my buddy came to me in 2021, Dave, uh, who's mentioned in the book, and he said, you got to buy Bitcoin. And I love him to death. Dave's been a dear friend since college. But he had given me terrible financial advice when I was in my 20s. And he'd encouraged me to invest in this company that was, you know, maybe a little sketchy. We lost our money. Um, and so I wrote the book for people like Dave to say, this is like the simplest sort of economic uh, uh, way I can describe it, which once you start describing it as, hey, you may have noticed something about cryptos. They don't do anything. There's no good. There's no service. They don't really like have a product behind them. People go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, know. I did notice that, actually, now that you mention it. Um, 
it's very much emperor's new clothes in that way. Um, right. And so it was fitting that I, that I, you know, I sort of fell down the rabbit hole in a way or, or convinced myself I needed to start talking about it after reading Francis, my six-year-old daughter, that story. I found myself as the child saying, look, this guy seems really naked. This, this it seems like this is a completely, you know, there's no substance here. So I could be crazy, but I have to tell this story. I just have right. to, I sort of felt compelled to tell it. Um, and so I started by approaching Jacob Silverman, this journalist who had written an article, even Donald Trump knows, knows Bitcoin is a scam, um, which I thought was very funny. And we started collaborating on articles um, almost as soon as the first article came out in November of 21, which was basically the height of the the crypto mania um you know the super bowl would be a few months later um the first article we wrote was about celebrities and just saying you know they really should be thinking about this differently this is different than selling car insurance or soap these are financial products and you, you really shouldn't be doing this um and we said it a little bit more aggressively than that but as soon as we started writing articles people started coming to us mm. people inside the industry people out of the industry we felt we've we got tips we got um, and the truth of the matter is that even amongst the sort of upper echelon of crypto, people were happy to talk. Um, you yeah. know, I interviewed, uh, Sam Bankman fried of course, but also people like Alex Vashinsky, who ran a crypto company. He's now, um, been indicted for fraud. Um, you know, it's a very talkative culture. They're very, uh, uh, they love to talk to people in Hollywood. So it, I was going to say, yeah, like how, much of, how much of it is it about like, you know, there are pluses and minuses given your resume, your history, your your recognizability going into something right. like this. But it does seem like, yeah, I marvel many times in the book, like, why the fuck is he talking to Ben? <laughs> like, what is he? Yes. <laughs> Did you have that I realized too? Over and over and over again, I kept going, oh, my God. Are you really saying this to me? You know, there's we're, a camera. We're here, recording right? this. Yeah, because exactly. I, I record this. Yeah, I filmed a lot of this. And um, yeah, I, ca I can't quite, I can, still can't quite figure out what that is, whether it's, it's got to be some, some mixture of overconfidence, um, right. you know, some desire to talk to someone, you know, who's in media and entertainment. Um, I do think a lot of people in cryptocurrency obviously believe what they're saying sure. um, or, and or there's this thing that happens amongst people who are more, uh, uh, let's say, <laughs> they have an ability to make money off of people believing it, believing right. in it. They can sort of the pitch becomes the belief. It becomes this thing that they've sort of internalized to such a deep degree they don't even realize that what they're saying is, you know, uh, worrisome to say the least, and potentially, you know, uh, uh, you know potentially uh, 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 some somewhat of a confessional as to like, um, right. you know, what they might be up to. Um, yeah, I realized that my superpower of being on TV and being in Hollywood and stuff really was a superpower. People yeah. genuinely would just talk to me that in ways that they probably uh, shouldn't have. So I figured, you know, run with it. Uh, just keep going. Um, I mean, how, how much do you think, you know, when we look back at this era of crypto and the rise and fall and whatever it ends up being, you know, reflects the times we're living in. You know, we we we've we look at the Trump era, this kind of age of like the bullshit artists that can just bullshit a country, a world, and get away with it. Seemingly, do you feel like crypto is kind of like the ultimate, like the financial extension of that? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I refer to it um, at the end of the subtitle, the golden age of fraud. Um, it's this era where, look, <laughs> we elected a con man as president and he's out there selling things. Um, there was not a lot of enforcement of, uh, you know, white collar crime, uh, you know, tamping down a white collar crime. And crypto just sort of exploded um, in sort of the chaos of the response to the pandemic and all the money that was put into the economy, all of the easy money times. And so sort of macroeconomically speaking, it's totally understandable that people, want, when given that money, would gamble with it, um, right. or at least a certain percentage of people. That that happens historically um, quite often. Um, I think what's different is sort of Trump era level of misinformation, disinformation, also social media, and the way that these narratives, because at the end of the day, crypto is really just a story or a collection of stories. It doesn't really um, do anything. It's not a currency. It's an investment, but it's unclear what exactly it's an investment in, except the story that it can make you rich, it can solve problems of our regulated financial system. And so I think the existence of Trump era sort of distrust of government, distrust of, of financial institutions, you know, perhaps correctly so, um, can then quickly spill over, particularly spread through social media into this thing that, oh, crypto solves all of these problems. Right. Um, and that's, I think, the real sleight of hand that was so effective. Um, but it's it's actually, you know, the truth is it's easy to sell that story when the numbers are going up. Sure. When everyone sees the, and during the Ponzi's on its rise, people just want to believe in it so, so badly because they also want to make money that it kind of takes on a life of its own. But the context under which it started with Trump and, and, and the COVID pandemic easy money times, I think is really sort of crucial to understanding how big it got. Um, because if you think of it like an MLM or a Ponzi, a multi-level marketing scheme or a Ponzi, you know, it's, it's arguably the biggest in history. I mean, it's, it's 40 to 50 million Americans bought it. So it really did just take off like wildfire. It's interesting because, yeah, you make the analogy the emperor wears no clothes. And and, and like you you talk about interviewing Sam Bankman-Free, like I think one of the questions you ask him and maybe ask others that is very telling to me as a layman is how much real money is there in crypto? Um, like how much does it actually equate to? What are we talking about? And what what is the answer that you got to that? Well, I had asked Alex Mashinsky, this guy who ran a firm called Celsius in March of last year, and he had said 10 to 15% real money, which to me was kind of shocking because at the time, first of all, he didn't need me to define what real money was. Like he knew what a, what a dollar was. And he said, because uh, sometimes the crypto people are like, what do you mean by real money? And I'm like, oh, come on, give me a break. Um he just said it 10 to 15%. At the time, crypto's market cap was $1.8 trillion. So, you know, give or take, that means one and a half trillion just isn't there. It's not backed by real dollars, euros, you know, fiat currencies. Um, and I asked Sam that same question in July um, when I interviewed him. Celsius had, I think, just declared bankruptcy. And Sam sort of said, yeah, no, that sounds about right. <laughs> I mean, crypto had fallen, you know, a bit since then, but I it still sort of shocked me because I think when you know when the 
average crypto investor puts their dollars in, their actual money onto one of these exchanges, they assume that no matter what the sort of price is saying in crypto land, whatever a Bitcoin is supposedly worth or Ethereum or, or any of that stuff, um, they assume they can get their money back. But given the numerous red flags and the sort of the, 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 um, uh, the fact that exchanges like FTX are registered in the Bahamas, um, so these are offshore corporations dealing in sort of murky regulatory environments, let's say, um, there's no real guarantee that you're going to get your money back. I mean, the joke amongst the crypto skeptics is when did you lose your money when you put it on the exchange? I mean, as soon as you put it on the exchange, you got to get it back, right? No matter what it says on your screen, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because all you really care about and what all anyone really cares about in crypto, which is somewhat ironic, is real money. <laughs> you know, how many Bitcoin you have isn't actually important if you can't actually use your Bitcoin for anything. Um, yeah, it was pretty shocking to have Sam agree with Mashinsky. They're now both being charged with fraud. And you're saying, so these guys, if they said 10 to 15% was real, that might be the high side. That might be the- These are the guys that went to jail be, that, that are being indicted. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> they would have no incentive to like oversell you. So like, it's probably right. at best 10 to 15% or was. Um, it's yeah. really interesting as the regulators sort of swoop in here and the, and the law enforcement, like one of the things they want to do is make sure that the bank accounts for these companies are locked in place. They can't just move the money because- um, you know, what Sam is alleged to have done is basically create a secret backdoor. We could borrow uh, using the mass, most massive uh, quotes you could imagine if you're listening to this on a, as a podcast, borrow his his customer's money, um, basically steal it is the, the allegation. And so, you know, given how many sort of uh, how, how many shenanigans are sort of going on, people are trying to freeze the money in place, law enforcement, so that it, it, uh, the customers will have some guarantee that they can get their money back. You referenced earlier what felt to me like a big, presumably tipping point for you when you kind of got involved in this, which was frankly calling out some of your fellow actors who, um, you know, put their name and face on crypto and did commercials, very high profile commercials. And they're, they're named in the book. They're you were named in your tweets and your articles. You know, there's people we love otherwise, you know, Matt Damon, Larry David, I'm sure it kind of tears you apart to be like, uh, I don't want to do this. Does. What, are you, yeah. what are you guys thinking? Um, was that a big decision for you? Did you hesitate? Did folks in your orbit say, this is a big leap for you to kind of call out these kind of folks? Yeah. I mean, look, I, felt like I had to do it again at the end of the day. None of this is personal. Um, I actually don't know. I don't think I know any of the people that were showing very well. I've certainly met them and I, and I respect their work, uh, many of them. But this is a different thing than what their sort of mainline profession is. And this does fit more into my wheelhouse, right? This is more in terms of what are these things economically, financially speaking? Um, they're not currencies. So if they're investments, what are they investments in? Um, to me, it was it was so easy to see how this could have gotten out of control, given what I know about sort of how, you know, how it works when you're at a big agency and your agent comes to you and says, hey, we've got this huge marketing campaign for this thing called crypto. We don't know really what it is, but you're going to get paid X dollars to, right. to, you know, not do a lot of work. Um uh, you know, I think people just kind of get, well, they get lured in by the same thing that crypto investors get lured into, you know, easy money, right? Sure. Um, the problem is that um, 
you know, at the end of the day, these are investments. They're not car insurance or soap. And so this is a very different thing that a celebrity is uh, endorsing. And I also wanted to kind of just lay down a marker and say, you know, you have such power as, as someone in the public eye. You really need to be judicious with how you use that power because people really do listen to you um, and, and, and have an impression of you as, as, a, as someone who's successful, who sort of knows about money. I think there's an easy way that that kind of like, yeah, sure, it's an actor, but they're also wealthy. And so surely they know about money and they know about this thing called crypto. Um, and, and, and you would, you would hate to see your fans um, lose money over something that you endorsed knowingly or unknowingly. I mean, I think the vast majority of celebrities have no poor intentions, but um, yeah, I felt like I needed to, to be pretty aggressive. And so we were, I didn't get a ton of pushback. I mean, I think now that it's collapsed, I, I hope that there would be a celebrity or two who would um, talk to me and we could just like have an honest conversation because I think that would be a very valuable voice to add in here. Um, we're all, we're all human. We all make mistakes. So it'd be nice for celebrities to just go, yeah, I screwed up, made a mistake. And, you know, I'm sorry. So inevitably when you run into one of these folks at a party, you see Matt Damon across the room. I know you go to a lot of, a lot of Kim Kardashian parties. That's your scene. Totally. That's um, my scene. <laughs> do you approach? <laughs> do you say anything? Do you hide in the corner? Do you run to the bathroom? Yeah. You know, uh, I live a very quiet life in Brooklyn with my my wife and kids, I'm I'm not at the Kardashian parties. Um, no, I, I mean, look, when and if I run into these folks, and I'm sure, you know, at some point I will, um, I assume they understand uh, the nature of it. I assume that they feel, well, I don't know what they feel, but I would imagine the experience has not been great for them on some level. Um, and so my hope is, you know, get the awkwardness aside and then, then we could sort of chat about it. Um, but you know the other the other thing is that people forget, um, and I think there's also a lot of uh, sort of hey, if we just don't talk about it, <laughs> we'll just pretend as though it never happened, right. um, which might work um, for some folks, but I don't think is a very healthy thing for us overall to do because then it just you know to, obviously is ignoring the reality of what happened, which is that you know tens of millions of Americans lost money on this stuff. Um, that you know is something we should strive to do better on. Uh, and, uh, and one way to doing that is just speaking out on it. So, you know, the book documentary, I'll do, I'll do my part. And I'm sure at some point, some celebrity will be brave enough to, uh, to say, oops, made a mistake. Sorry. You, you, you mentioned the doc. You, when I ran into you at your, your book party, you said you're, you're turning this into a documentary. You actually end your acknowledgements uh, with uh, thanking Morena and saying, please let me do it again. So what does that what does that yes. mean? What does that exactly mean? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to Morena? <laughs> <laughs> and do they mean the same thing? That's that's, exactly. that's the question. We'll couple yeah. start review for you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know. Um, is the uh, the truth and perhaps the scary part of it? I mean, I, I meant it actually. It's funny that you you took it as, as more of the documentary, although that is also happening. I took it more as the book. Um, you know, embarking on some new book venture. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, I did film a lot of these interactions. So I am working with folks to kind of figure out what that can be and, and, and what it can be in a different way than the book. Um, 
because I do think there's a way of telling a global story here. You know, crypto didn't just affect us here in America. It had severe repercussions on places like El Salvador, which is the only country in the world that tried to use crypto as real money. And I went down there and interviewed people, including a whole community that's being kicked off its land to build this Bitcoin city, um, whatever. Um, so I want to try to tie some of those threads together for the documentary. In terms of a new book, yeah, I, I have no idea. I uh, This has been such an adventure. I would just, I would love to try to have some new adventure that could also um, uh, inspire me. It is such a lot of work to, you know, to, to do this. I'm so grateful I didn't know how much work it was until I got into it and <laughs> it was too late. Um, but you really don't want to embark on a book project unless you're very, very excited about it because it's going to be a lot of hard work. You started the book, correct me if I'm wrong, you started the book uh, after consuming some edibles. How, what percentage of yes. your of your great ideas or bad ideas have come after consuming an edible? Is this the only great, the greatest thing that's come out of out of dabbling in edibles over the years? Uh, for me personally, yes. So I would say a very high percentage of my great ideas have come out of it and also a very high percentage of my terrible ideas. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a mixed bag. Uh, okay. you're not really sure or a mixed, uh, 10 of edibles. You're not really sure, you know, the, the results of it until you wake up the next morning and you're like, actually that was a, what seemed like a really good idea was not in fact, a, a really good idea. Um, edibles useful for getting the idea, not so much for executing on the idea. I right, 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 right. And, and any, any, <laughs> any particularly bad ones you want to cite or best left unsaid? Oh, oh, terrible ideas that I've had. Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, um, endless screenplays, endless screenplay ideas, TV, TV show ideas, you know. You know it would be cool. You check your, yeah. Yeah, you know it would be cool, man. Yeah, yeah. You check your <laughs> notes folder in the morning and you're like, it's got one line of gibberish and you're just Yeah, like, that's not even English. Yeah. That's not even English. What are you doing? Um, what, um, you know, I mentioned at the outset, uh, we're, we're talking uh, during this uh, insane time during the writer's strike, the actor's strike. Just how are you feeling perspective wise? Like, I mean, I feel like all of our, not to speak for you, but I feel like a lot of people I talked to were like, we were hoping there was some humanity running the studios that would come to their senses. And it feels like there's no humanity. There's no one coming to their senses. Um, are you optimistic? Right. No, just... they're, they're literally trying to replace with with AI, right? I mean, it's literally a lack of humanity in that sense. It, truly um yeah so yeah i'm mean, just your take on the situation i mean I, I i you know i'm 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 it's a lot of emotions i uh, i would imagine i feel similar to a lot of people in the sense I'm, I'm very proud of um the way the actors union has stood up uh we've stood up for ourselves and we've stayed uh, in solidarity with the writers um i'm a member of of all three guilds and so i'm very proud of the sort of you know the united front that we're presenting there that being said, I'm shocked at how aggressive the studios are being. I didn't, I guess I'm naive. I thought, I thought after two years of cryptocurrency, I was fairly <laughs> jaded and cynical, but I was like, oh yeah, it'll be a strike, but you know, I'm sure cooler heads will prevail. I, I, I still think eventually a deal will have to be struck, um, you know, at some point because um, the studios need their, their spring summer movies and we all have a vested interest in, you know, working this out so we can get back to work. Um, but I was not prepared with how how far apart 
we were and and apparently still are. It's still yeah. sort of shocking to me. Um, the 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 studios response to the AI question was particularly concerning. <laughs> There's nothing to see here. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, whenever you, they say that, you know, something's happening. It's, it, it's, do you, you know, you're getting screwed. Is the, is the threat of AI, it's not overstated, is it? I mean, it's, is it existential in your, in your mind or is it like, I, we, I genuinely we Terminator don't know. Too, too many times. Yeah. I genuinely don't know. Here's what I, here's what I do feel comfortable saying is whether or not AI itself will replace us using AI as an excuse to sort of take away uh, our, our, our paychecks and, you know, transmit them into some sort of technology that may or may not be, you know, effectively uh, using our, our uh, uh, intellectual property in terms of our, you know, our, our faces, our voices or whatever. Um, I think it's a tool that can be used to, um, you know, to weaken our, ability to fight for a fair wage. And so they're using right. it there. I don't think either side really knows which direction it's going in. Unfortunately, you know, the problem is we've had such a miserable track record with the studios on issues like streaming, where they're like, you nothing to see here, right? It's the same playbook. Um, you can't really trust them that they have our best interests at heart. So you have to fight tooth and nail to get it, you know, set up as clearly and defined as clearly as possible on issues like AI that we own ourselves, they cannot buy us, you know, in perpetuity, forever across the universe, um, all of our likenesses and things like that. Um, but it is moving so quickly, the technology that I think, um, or at least that's the marketing, that I think it's hard for either side to sort of know what their what their 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 fallback position is, right? right. Like like they're they're both trying to feel each other out and come to some middle ground, but they're so far apart from each other, it's hard to try to know where that is. Um, I'm going to let you go on our happy, sick, infused, profoundly random questionnaire. Some random questions for you, Ben. Um, what do you collect? Is there anything you collect? What do I collect? Um, I like old vintage uh, watches, but but broken ones. Um, so I'll sometimes just be, shh, don't tell anybody about wearing a vintage watch that's broken to a very nice event. And so people ask me for the time and I'll have to get out just my for phone. show. Um, yeah. yeah. Just for show. Yeah. I like them. I like them as kind of like costume jewelry. Nice. Uh, what's the wallpaper on your phone? Uh, it is a picture of my, uh, <laughs> my son. He's uh very, very cute. Oh, okay. Small and little. <laughs> yeah. He's two years old. This is when he was a baby. Uh, favorite adult beverage. You have a go-to. Uh, favorite adult beverage? Um, uh, I like a Negroni. Always good. Always solid. Uh, last actor you were mistaken for? Last actor I was mistaken for? Um, hmm. You ever signed? At one point. A, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. I'm trying to think. I don't remember that. Um, Never signed a photo of another actor being like, okay, fine. Oh, close enough. I remember somebody being convinced I was Kevin Connolly from the Entourage at one point. <laughs> I was like, what? It's very, I did not sign something for them. But, uh, they really, they they genuinely thought I didn't know that I was Kevin Connolly. Right. You'd blocked it out. Yeah. Too many to grow. Yeah. Blocked yeah. It out. yeah, yeah. Exactly. You need the, those, those residual checks are probably pretty good. You might want to accept it. Um, it's true. 
<laughs> this is very apropos for the time we're in. Uh, aliens, what, what are your thoughts? Do we have, is extraterrestrial life an actual thing? Ooh, uh, could be, could be. Yeah, I wouldn't rule okay. it out. Okay. I don't What's know about a- here. I don't know if they would have been here yet. But- right, right. What's a podcast that you could host? Give me a topic. What's the one that you could opine about? A subject? The Ben mm. McKenzie show is all about. Mm, mm, mm. I want it. It needs to be in the dad category. Uh, yeah, I think parenting. I would. I think I would do a really wonderful, like, horrible parenting podcast. I think that'd be fun, actually. Just parental guys mistakes. actually talking about. Yeah, just parental mistakes, sort of mm. things they've learned over the years. Don't do that. Nice. A um, cautionary tale. Yeah. Indeed. indeed. <laughs> and finally, uh, in honor of Happy Second Fused, uh, actor that always makes you happy. You see them on screen. You're in a good place. Yep. Uh, Philip Baker Hall. Love so it. solid. Love Great. Yep. Yeah. Um, is there a movie that always makes you sad? Oh, God. Yeah. Um, a movie that always makes me sad. There's so many. Um, what's the movie with Owen Wilson and the dog? Um, oh, Mar- Marley and Me. Yeah. No, that's a, Marley that's, and Me. Yeah. That's a no go for dog owners. I've cried. I've cried. Uh, publicly in, in uh, airplanes over Marley and me. I've learned my lesson. No more it's a ba- bad combo. You don't want a sad movie on a plane. Altitude, sadness. Yeah. No, it's ugly. Uh, and finally, a food that makes you confused. Food that makes me confused. Hmm. See it on the menu. I don't get it. Why do people eat that? That's just weird. I I understand crepes. I just... There's something about them I just don't trust. I don't know what it is about a crepe that I just don't. Look, we know you're a skeptic from your work, from Easy Money. You're just a natural a skeptic. skeptic. It's a, it's, a, it's a, I don't know. It's a, it's a delivery system. The crepe it gives you. It's, it's not right. about the right. vessel. It's about what's inside the crepe. I, I've been told this many a time, and yet, and then, then why do I need the crepe? You know, that's my, that's my concern. Then just give me the other stuff. Well, um, if you want, it wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense. If you have a Nutella crepe, I mean, you're just not going to get a hand of Nutella and just eat it. You're not a savage. You need something to get it in your system. You're assuming a lot about me. I mean, <laughs> all I really need is a, is a thing of Nutella and a spoon. Uh, yeah, no, I get that. I get that. It just, yeah. just doesn't quite, I don't know. I don't trust it. I don't trust the crepe. That's what it comes down to. Fair enough. There's our poll quote. Uh, congratulations, man. Um, like Everett, you were on the pod a, a bunch of years ago, and I, I loved talking to you then. And ever since then, we kind of became like social media buddies. And I can always tell, you know, it's weird to say, but you can tell someone is a good human. I always got that vibe from you. And then following you in the years after, I'm like, everything he says, I'm on board with. And then sure enough, you embark on this crazy adventure. And um your heart's in the right place. Your brain's in the right place. I learned a lot from it. I cannot endorse it enough. Easy money, cryptocurrency, casino capitalism, the golden age of fraud, new New York Times bestselling author, Mr. Ben McKenzie. Crazy. Uh, congratulations. What is happening? Man. What a world. What Thanks, a world, Josh, right? Man. It's, I, I feel the same about you. I've, I've always known you as just a great guy. It's great to have you on, or great to be on your show and to, to talk about something else, talk about something uh, in addition to the uh, the profession we love. Um, there you go. So thanks for all the kind words, man. Appreciate it. Anytime, anytime. Good luck with the book, man. All right. Thanks, dude. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>